At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Playoffs week four are upon us, and we've got... A lot of things to talk about, a lot of seismic changes in the last week. But where I want to start is talking about the poor, the huddled, the vanquished teams in these playoffs and particularly in the Western Conference, which John has focused upon a ton when we look forward to next year, that the competition seems like it's only going to get more brutal in that conference. And John, the Houston Rockets. They are in a really weird situation right now. Let's uh let's talk about what the heck they're gonna do. Yeah, they are in a weird situation because they're good, right? Like they're they're unquestionably good. I mean, we were debating who we would pick in the Rockets Lakers series. So you you don't get to that point unless you have some level of quality on your team, right? But it seems like this is as good as it's gonna get for them. They have no assets, no real no real plausible way to add anything significant from here unless they just, you know, luck into an undrafted free agent and end up with Fred Van Vliet somehow or, you know, some some avenue like that. But they have no draft picks. They have no good young players at all. Uh, they are right at the tax line and have no inclination at all to spend into it. And they're going to have a different head coach next year. And their system is really built around this head coach's uh unique philosophical way of playing. So they're at a crossroads to me and underlying this. And I wrote this in in my story for the athletic is that James Harden has two years on his deal before he could become a free agent. And when does that situation start becoming a little more urgent from his perspective, where he looks and sees no future here playing with, you know, Russell Westbrook playing, making 47 million in 22, 23, uh, and Eric Gordon making close to 20 and no real possibility of help on the way in the meantime, that's going to be an interesting situation. I think so you're saying there could be a divorce between James Harden and the star that they specifically brought in to pair with him. That, that, that's never happened before. That's never happened before. Right. Once, I mean, I always feel like once you start bringing in guys to make a player happy, that's like almost the beginning of the end because you're never going to actually make the guy happy unless you win. And usually the those moves you make to make him happy actually get in the way of the winning. Uh, I completely agree. I mean, you could look at the first LeBron in Cleveland demise for yeah. that, right? Of just like, okay, we're if you maybe had a plan that you're going to get better and oh, now we we have to win now and show some progress. Anthony Davis would be another perfect example. I mean, yeah. not, not that those guys were like, oh, hey, I want this guy gone and I want you to bring in my friend necessarily. Um, but uh, just I, I think it's pretty clear that Russell Westbrook was not your Daryl Morey-inspired move would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's that's the other domino that people are – People are wondering about within the league, let's say. I don't yeah. I don't well, have Chris any Haynes reported he would be under review, quote unquote. Okay. Okay. And I mean, that's a really interesting situation because obviously, I mean, Maury signed an extension I think a year or two ago. Uh so so they owe him some money, you would think, but he would move to the top of the list of any GM search if he became a uh an executive free agent. W- would he? 
Would he be at the top of the list? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I mean, I I would like to believe that if there's any sort of a meritocracy. But what about the whole China thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that's a huge liability for him. Um, it could be with a couple of owners, but depending on how much business they have tied up there. Well, what about players? I, I mean, it really seemed like the players almost were were as upset or more. But I mean, maybe we're at the point now where there's more of an understanding, especially with what went on at that NBA Academy. Uh, in, yeah. Uh, you know, and how bad that was that, you know, the NBA is coming to the proper realization that they shouldn't be doing business with the Chinese government. And that won't be as much of a consideration going forward. But I, I don't know that to be true. I mean, certainly if I were involved, that would be the case. But I'm, uh, I'm I'm skeptical. Uh, you know, I mean, when you have LeBron James calling, you know, the biggest player in the league calling Daryl Morey uninformed, and then getting summarized in the Global Times, the Chinese propaganda arm. Yeah. Uh, no, maybe maybe that there would be a thought that hey, if you get Daryl Morey, you know, maybe if it's a team that's not a free agent destination, but Daryl likes to go after the big fish, and maybe that is something that could impact him. But anyway, we're, we're, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves, obviously here, but. I mean, as soon as that Russell Westbrook trade was made, I was like, is there, is there already planning his exit? And he's just I mean, you obviously wondered because he gave away the picks in 24 and 26, right? Which is like, I'm going to be yeah. long gone by the time well, Houston Well, I'm sure did. OKC pushed for those, too, because they knew that uh, there's no way Houston could be good by then. And Daryl probably also knew that there was no way Houston could be good by then. And maybe he didn't want to work for Tillman for Tate anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all of those things can be true. Um. But I mean, back to this team, and there seems like like Harden is what he's going to be thirty one. Westbrook's going to be thirty two. PJ Tucker, who I mean, let's remember, only got that mid level exception deal as a thirty two year old. We're like, oh man, he's going to decline. This is risky. Yeah, you know, that was three years ago, and somehow he's still playing great basketball at thirty five. But he has to fall off at some point. And yeah. I mean, those are their three core guys. Robert Covington is an injury risk. He's got a couple years left still, but it, uh. I mean, there's nobody on their team that you look at who's going to be better next year. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the only real even possibility would be House, I guess. Or I mean, oh, even oh, like let's not get started on him. Yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> who's going to be called House Call for the rest of his career? I think. <laughs> oh man, uh, I, I, it seemed clear that that had a very negative effect on them. Not that they would have won the series anyway, but. It, not having him and also there seems to uh have been potentially some internal strife that was caused yeah. by that incident and yeah. justifiably so for sure yeah they seem to lose a little of their mojo after that although i mean give the lakers credit too i mean that was a hell of a scheme frank vogel came up with you know i mean ends. on both ends yeah 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 uh We've seen teams trap Harden, but they've tended to do it early. And the genius of kind of trapping him late and and varying it just enough to keep him a little off balance, and then obviously having LeBron's IQ on the on the weak side or even on the front side of this, and and having guys on him who were good enough to defend him, like even when he got isolated, I mean, Alex Caruso did a good job on the ball. Uh, and Rondo and his times on him, I mean, he pressured him up the court. He picked his dribble a couple times. Like Rondo was a legitimate plus in this series. Like I said all along, he would be. <laughs> Playoff no, Rondo. Never, can never count out uh, Rajon Rondo. You know, it's mm-hmm. only it only been eight years since he actually tried, but I knew it was coming at some point. <laughs> I tell you who else was good. Who I did not expect to be good, Markeith Morris. I mean that that change helped them. He made shots, but also some of his defensive rotations were like borderline brilliant, like just completely on point. Yeah. Um, and and I, I thought that re- that was really a difference making move for LA. Well, and they also offensively they attacked everything that Houston really sh- struggles to defend. Just sending hard cuts through the middle of the defense and knowing that because these guys are so used to switching that they just assume if someone makes a cut there's a screen being set and they can pass them off to somebody else and instead no actually there's nobody standing in the middle of the defense like that yeah they really had and lebron rondo i mean those guys are good enough passers that they weren't ever going to miss those guys when they cut and then the athleticism of ad as well it seemed like houston was very optimized with their personnel for the warriors and they're not really an athletic team, particularly with Westbrook 
not looking like himself. Yeah. And so the athleticism of the Lakers really rendered them, you know, when you look at offensive rebounding and the fast yeah. break points, which yeah. are probably your two biggest harbingers of athleticism. Um, and then the, the Rockets two point percentage was really low also. So they really were getting overwhelmed athletically in that series, which is uh, pretty remarkable, particularly after the Rockets won game one. And you're like, Oh, this is going to be a long series. Yeah. The it's, it's amazing. Game one feels like forever ago. Right. And I, I do think the other thing that happened was Houston's the way they had to play against this team just uh, kind of took away their legs. Like PJ Tucker, especially by the end, looked totally out of gas and was making some pretty uncharacteristic defensive mistakes. I thought uh, by games four and five, just just probably from fatigue. I think. Yeah, you might be right about that. And you know, those first couple of games, it was clear that when he was off the floor, they were getting worked. And then the other thing about the defensive scheme we haven't mentioned is: Have you ever seen Houston shoot that few? three-pointers like their offense yeah. just was uh unhealthy yeah like it, it looked like they were playing in like bay area air <laughs> at this point <laughs> like like it was it, it really like to have them shoot 33 pointers when they're trying to get up 50 in a game and they did it all by helping off of westbrook and westbrook only and then trying to force him to make plays ad was the absolute perfect guy to be guarding him in those situations it was just a and and the irony is that everyone's like, ooh, this could be a bad matchup for the Lakers. Like, they're not as good yeah. as the Lakers, but when you look at the matchups, like, oh, uh, no, actually, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah, it really played out that way. And then you could see, I mean, Houston was trying to, by the time they were trying to get slip cuts to P.J. Tucker at the foul line, like, you knew it was over. Like, I've never seen a roller be more disregarded than when they were sending P.J. Tucker to the free throw line. Um, What did you think of... Harden series and where he is as a player. He has that two for 11 in game four. Obviously, the, their defense was designed to take him out of it by double teaming. There are other aspects of the team that couldn't necessarily make them pay for that that well, like Westbrook, uh, for example. But, uh, I mean, how do you feel about Harden of, of where he is and his ability, if potentially he were to be moved, to be the foundation of like a true contender at this point? Can he be the foundation if he's with an like if he's with another star? I think that works. But like by himself, I think he's lost just enough athleticism that it's not the case anymore. Like he has to things have to be a little bit optimized for him to dominate. Like he's going to be good no matter what, but you could see in that series that he once once they were bringing those up, he couldn't just he didn't have the overwhelming athleticism skill combo where you're just like, well, F you, it doesn't even matter if you're doubling me because I'm just going to like dribble around it and make some crazy shot anyway. Like they, they, he doesn't have that. I agree with you on that. And the finishing at the rim also, I mean, and you know, he's that's to be expected that that was going to go down. And I think some of the big numbers he put up in these last two regular seasons, maybe have obscured his decline in that area. I mean, I think he yeah. clearly was a better player in 2018 and maybe even 2017 than he is now even if the numbers have been better because he's just got that step back that's kind of just like a cheat code against most teams in the regular season but you know obviously the menu of things that he can do has decreased significantly we saw that in the first round when they had to run regular pick and roll part of that's their personnel too they don't really have a role man anymore and so so much is now optimized with the way he plays which is a shame the one thing that was a shame i thought he actually was playing the best defense of his career in these playoffs. Um, maybe that left him a little tired for offense, but, and then Westbrook, I mean, at, at 32, let me ask you this last question on them. And this is kind of true for a lot of teams. Is there a possibility that with how weird the circumstances were here and Russell Westbrook, for example, saying that he couldn't work out for basically a month due to COVID-19 and then he gets in the bubble and he hurts his quad and then he comes back and he's clearly not a hundred percent, which I think everyone would agree with. Is there a possibility that teams and specifically the Rockets could just be overreacting to what happened in the bubble as far as what it means going forward on whether they can be a contender or not? You see, I think the case for that would be more compelling, except you look, you go back and look at their results after the trade. I mean, they weren't setting the league on fire even before the league shut down. I mean, they were, you know, they had a couple of impressive wins and they also had some games where they just got the crap beat out of them. 
Uh, yeah, they so, won like six in a row, and then they like lost five in a row or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So basically, all the data points in one place. Like they, they, you know, to go Dennis Green here, they are what we thought they were, right? They they played like they were the four seed, and it, you know, they won the, they won the four or five matchup in seven, and then they got housed in the second round. Like that's that's what usually happens to the four seed. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break and let's talk about some of these other West teams that got eliminated. Did you ever have one of those classes in college that was really just terrible? It was like taught by some TA who had no idea what he was doing, had no presence, was unorganized. And maybe you wished at that time, like, couldn't I just learn from some of the best in this field considering how much money I'm paying here? Well, now you don't have to pay anywhere close to college, but you can actually learn from the absolute best in any field. And that's through Masterclass. Get it on your phone, on desktop, on Apple TV. All of their classes are taught by world-class masters at the top of their fields. They've just added a bunch of new ones as they always seem to, they're over 85 now. Chris Voss is a former SBI hostage negotiator on the art of negotiation. Bobby Braun on makeup and beauty. Neil deGrasse Tyson on scientific thinking and communication. Alice Waters in my current abode of Berkeley, California, one of the best chefs, basically created the farm to table movement. Margaret Atwood, my wife has taken that class, really thought it was useful as she's trying to do more writing. I highly recommend that you check it out. You can get unlimited access to every masterclass. As a Dunktown listener, you get 15% off their annual all-access pass with access to all of these classes. Go to masterclass.com slash PER. That's easy to remember because John invented it. Masterclass.com slash PER for 15% off on Masterclass. You ever one of those people who loves, you know those people who loves identifying underrated talent? If you had real estate on some player's island, even when it was undervalued, well, now you can cash in on that. Prediction Strike makes it possible to buy that undervalued condo. You visit predictionstrike.com to create an account. Then you deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of players just like you would for real stocks. And the value changes based on each player's game performance. And you can trade at any time as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Do you think that Lonzo Ball right now is undervalued? You want to buy a nice condo on Lonzo Ball Peninsula. Prove it and show your friends how right you are. The way to get started with them is by visiting predictionstrike.com and sign up with our code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. To get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more, that's predictionstrike.com. Don't forget that PER code to let them know that you came from us. Let's turn to the Oklahoma City Thunder and the news, which had kind of been kept largely under wraps, that Billy Donovan's contract was expiring. I think that was just the original contract that he signed, the five-year deal mm-hmm. uh, when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were both still in OKC his first year there. And he's not going to be returning. There's news they offered him a two-year extension, which I understand why he didn't want to take that. Because why would you take that when you can either go back to college or go somewhere else and get a fresh start with a non-rebuilding team and get more years and probably more money for a team that's facing a financial retrenchment. But Chris Paul has this video where he's like, you know, basically kind of saying goodbye to OKC, what do you think happens uh, with them now? Oh, this is this is a TNT situation, totally. Uh, yeah, they get they gotta they gotta blow this up, cash in their Chris Paul stock before he can leave for free. Um, we try to see what you can get for Stephen Adams. You know, you're already losing Gallinari. You know, they almost so, traded so, him. So you the, know that for sure. There's no way they resign him. You think at this point? I d- I don't think so. I mean, I suppose there could be an avenue where you say you do the. Uh, Masai Ujiri Memorial delayed sign and trade where you, where you sign right. the guy just to trade him later. But I, you know, they've, they've paid so much money into the tax the last few years too. Like I can't imagine them really going on a big spending kick right now. I think they're going to bring in a developmental coach probably, uh, maybe somebody internally even. Uh, and you, you just look where all the arrows are pointed. I mean, everything had to go so perfectly right for this team to get the fifth seed in the West in terms of health, in terms of kind of outlier positive years from from guys like Schroeder and, and CP3. And then, you know, they find Lugens Dort. Credit to them for doing that, um, you, you know, undrafted. But you just look where the tide is going in, in the West. Like, best case scenario, I don't see how they win a playoff round next year. 
and they probably don't even get into the top. Like even if they try to be good, I don't, I'm not sure they can actually be good next year. Yeah, I I agree with that, and uh, maybe they just don't have a suitable Chris Paul deal. I, I think the most likely scenario now for me seems like sign and trade for Gallo, and you take on another team's money that's not that great and hopefully pick up a first-rounder in exchange for Gallo uh, and send him to a place that wouldn't have the scratch to sign him. As I was going through with Danny on my pod yesterday looking at some of these teams, that $6 million that the cap is likely to be lower than it was supposed to be next year is really hurting a lot of teams as far as being able to use the full mid-level. And so being able to acquire Gallo in a sign-and-trade and offload like money I think would be important there, although we'll see whether ownership wants to pay close to the tax again just to pick up another first round pick when they already have a bazillion of them uh, but yeah Schroeder Steven Adams if you can I don't know if he has value at that number but hey there's always worse contracts out there I, I think that the Adams trade is Adams for a for a guy who makes maybe not quite as much money but is a completely like Adams for dead money and a pick um you know there there may be scenarios where that works there's there's not as many bad contracts floating around as there used to be right uh you know all these you know Jan Mahimis and Andrew Nicholsons of the world have, have come off the books now uh so uh, no no that that is not true that is and not Andrew true. Nicholson yeah will be on the books in perpetuity <laughs> in Portland but because of the stretch provision oh man yeah he he and uh i mean it's still not as good as Andre Blatch getting amnestied before his extension had even kicked in but it's pretty close to sign a a four-year deal and get uh stretched after the first year yeah and, and traded twice as well by the way and then stretched yeah that was that was pretty remarkable um yeah i, I think that seems like probably what's got to happen there the other team that i really wanted to talk about for you is utah and they have a low-key interesting situation this yes, summer that do. has not gotten a ton of, of press. Yes. What what do they do about a potential extension with Rudy Gobert? He's super max eligible too, which is actually a problem because he might be worth the regular max. I'm not sure if he is, but he might be on an extension. But he's definitely not worth the super max. And just having that possibility of him like asking for it and then being insulted when you don't give it to him is actually like a problem for them. No, it definitely is, particularly given the level of pride that he has. And I mean, this organization to get him to do all the dirty work and set the most screens in the NBA, they've been propping up. Hey, screen screen assist, you really are that valuable. You know, yeah, you're so underrated. Oh, and by the way, we're uh, not offering you anywhere close to the Supermax contract. I mean, and nor should they, uh, if we're being clear, uh, given that, and and especially after I thought he had a wonderful playoff series against Nikola Jokic, but his overall impact in the regular season dropped a little bit this year. And I think at 28, I want to say he is right now, he's going to be 29 when that extension kicks in. And he's very reliant on athleticism. He's not going to be anywhere close to worth that money I mean, maybe in like the first year he could be even up and you're talking about the supermax even the regular max for a five-year deal is you know, scary you're yeah talking about yeah. basically 200 million dollars yeah uh even that is pretty rough i mean the history of you know kind of top 20 guys who signed that five-year 30 percent max at 29 is extremely poor you know the the darren williams yeah deal. yeah yeah. And so let's go back to Darren Williams because the Jazz were in this situation with Darren Williams and did that low key trade to Brooklyn and kind of got out, you know, got out of Dodge. Uh, when, when, when they were, I mean, they, they thought he was going to leave and that's why they did that. But you wonder if Utah would do the same thing here. If, if they would make that move right now and just say, okay, we're going to, we're going to build around Mitchell and, and kind of go forward from there. You know, they got one year left on Conley, and then their their books are pretty clean otherwise. You know where Rudy Gobert would be an unbelievable fit, although I don't know if they could fit him in salary-wise long-term either? Golden State? I was going to say the Boston Celtics. Oh, my goodness, yes. Wow. Yeah. And, and. Gobert for Hayward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, 
<laughs> that um, that that is that is the best fake trade I've heard in a long time. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, so but it, does Boston have the scratch to do it at this point in terms of the assets? I mean, they got three first. They have, round th- picks they have this three year. firsts this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's I mean this in this crappy draft that's probably you know fourteen and whatever the other two are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of them is uh, Milwaukee's pick, right? So yeah, those. Is that enough to get it done? I mean, one year left on the deal for Gobert, and then you have to pay him afterwards. I mean, that's that always has to go into this calculation, right? But Boston is close enough to a title. I mean, we're they're in the finals. They're, they're probably favorites to make it to the finals, or they're in the Eastern Conference. They're favorites to make it to the finals. So yeah. that's the type of team where you know that really needs a center of his ilk as well. So I don't know. I, that, that's just a thought that comes to mind. But let me ask you this: in terms of guaranteed money. Let's say you're offering a four-year extension to Rudy Gobert. You know, maybe you have nine guarantees in the end. Maybe you don't, but just guaranteed money. What is your offer to Rudy Gobert this offseason as the Jazz? I would probably go something along the lines of four years, 110. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Or maybe, maybe something along the lines of four years. 130 but the last year non-guaranteed or, or partially partial. guaranteed right right um but yeah i mean i was thinking 100 110 million guaranteed and uh you know i i mean they could the one thing that they could do maybe is you can start the supermax at 30 percent of the cap and actually have it go down and have non-guarantees on the end so you could technically give him the supermax oh you mean at 30 at 35 no, no, you can start the Supermax. It just has to be between 30 and 35. Oh, I see what you're saying. You can do a fifth year, but have right. the money declining and have a partial on year five. Oh, that's yeah. clever. So you're technically giving him the Supermax. Right, right. And maybe you could even have you know partial guarantees in year four and year five. So it's like mm-hmm. he's still getting some money there. Yeah. Um, But d- just th- those might be some ways to kind of win the PR battle and let him – feel that he's won the PR battle. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's just a, a thought so, there. Because the, the one the one thing that I'll tell you from having having been in Memphis is that when you're in a market like this, retaining rights to players is always your, your biggest priority because free agency is going to be a losing battle for you most of the time. Yeah. And especially free agency uh, at the max level or, you know, kind of... But once you get beyond sort of the, mid, the mid-level guys, like you're... You're you're fighting a losing war in free agency, and and you kind of ha- have to be more about draft trades, retain your own guys. You can always make a trade later if you sign a halfway decent contract, and sometimes even if you don't. But uh, but w- once you lose them, it's it's tough to use that cap space as effectively. Yeah. Now the difference, I think, I think Utah is in somewhat of a similar situation to where you guys were. The difference is their two stars kind of aren't the same age. And also, you guys had shown a higher ceiling than this Utah team does. Where I thought you and you're in a market with a bunch of guys who are beloved, and so Utah, yeah, they could probably plug along as the sixth seed mm-hmm. or the sixth best team in the Western Conference when it comes to playoff time. Maybe they got a little more upside in the regular season, but I think this year has shown they're not a championship contender. And Bogdanovich, Gobert, and Conley all getting a year older. When even if Mitchell gets better. Maybe you hope there's a sweet spot where those three guys don't decline next year and Mitchell gets way better, and that's how you could become a contender on the fringe if everything breaks right. But there's so many awesome teams in the West. It's like you can't just hope for one or two key injuries. you got to hope for like eight key injuries. (laughs) Exactly. It's just so hard to move up beyond being in the 4-5 bracket and and just winning one round. And, I mean, we, we lived that too, right? We I don't think we ever got above four the whole time we were there. We we missed the two seed by one game one year, and and that was the best we did. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of kind of the same same drill for that. Yeah, it's funny you say that. We just kind of the same thing where we signed our point guard and center at 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 roughly the same stage. And the nice thing again when you have the rights to players is that when it didn't go well, we were able to pivot away from that and trade both of them because we still had their rights. And that's basically what gave the Grizzlies the assets to put, you know, a lot of these players around John Morant and, and Jaron and, and contend for the playoffs this year. Yeah. Now that's the thing about Gobert is if you can get him on that deal that we're talking about, then he probably retains value as a trade asset. If he's on a 
$200 million contract? Then no, I don't think no, that he then does. No, then he's John Wall and you're stuck with him. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. And maybe their conclusion is, hey, you know what? Like, is in this market, it's worth being a decent team that people are going to want to watch and come and see. And particularly because I don't really see the alternative for them, right? Like, you always have to look at what else you could be doing and what else they could be doing would be, okay, so let's, we're going to trade Gobert. Maybe, you know, we would move Conley and Bogdanovich, but you still have Donovan Mitchell who you're getting yeah. on a max contract and he'll take it because that's what guys on rookie extensions always do. Yeah. And they have a decent organization. They can develop guys, but you know, so now you're going to be the 10 seed for the next four years instead of the six seed. If you pay Gobert. You know, is that really any more palatable? Like, you're not going to be bad enough to get that next star. As you mentioned, getting guys in free agency seems unlikely. They're out a little bit of draft capital going forward. Yeah, um, from the Conley trade. From the yeah. Conley deal. Yeah. And you don't have as many young guys. So, I, I mean, I think when you look at the alternative, then paying Gobert becomes a little more interesting. Unless, of course, you could trade him now and get something. But that's, I don't think he gets enough in a trade that it's really that awesome now maybe maybe if it's golden state and you could get the number two pick for rudy gobert and andrew wiggins you know would you consider that like that's you know maybe that's yeah uh let, let golden state worry about paying rudy gobert i don't know if i like gobert's fit with draymond green all that well yeah uh, so. yeah as i you know i i said i blurted that out at first and the more i thought about it i was like yeah maybe not yeah <laughs> I, I mean maybe with those two guys steph and clay around him it's you could do it because uh Draymond can hit Gobert on the alley oop, but then how about you just don't guard Draymond on that and the two on one with Draymond and Gobert? You know, are you really going to get a lot there? Maybe not. I don't know, but I, I, I would consider that move still if I were Golden State. But it's a little <laughs> thorny. Maybe Draymond would be in that deal. Wow. Uh, but probably, seems like Wiggins would probably be the guy. Um, all right, let's take another break here and then let's uh, let's talk about what happened in uh, week four of the playoffs. Built Bar is back on the show. They've got 18 amazing flavors now, including nut and non-nut flavors. It's just the best tasting protein bar. It's not delivered right out the back of a cement truck on that weird conveyor belt that they use for cement into a rectangular cookie cutter and then wrapped and delivered to your house. No, it actually tastes good. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Some of the great flavors, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie. I, I really enjoy peanut butter a lot. They're great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet. And they've usually got it from between 17 and 19 grams of protein. Five grams of sugar, five grams of net carbs, and you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store okay best team so far in the playoffs best team so far has to be the lakers uh with with uh all due respect to the miami heat uh, I just, hey, I, uh all, how about all due respect to the nuggets oh <laughs> no serious i mean they've been such a ridiculous surprise i i, yeah. I, I talked about them extensively yesterday so okay uh, but I, for people who are nuggets fans who wanted to hear us talk about them i had a whole long hagiography of them yesterday on uh on dunked on but i actually um, will be uh writing about the nuggets and that'll be out there shortly um yeah no it's got to be the lakers i, I would say um what would you say is the best prediction that you have made so far? Oh, for me, it's ignoring the hype and picking Lakers in five over Portland. Yep. You and uh, my partner, Danny LaRue, did that. I had Lakers in six. 
Oh, Portland, you said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I had liquors and five in Portland also. Yeah. Uh I thought you I thought you said Houston for a second, but I, I also picked Boston over Toronto in seven, which uh played out exactly. And I had Houston over Oak City in seven. So I I'm actually doing doing pretty well ex- except for the one glaring exception of the Bucks Heat series. Yeah, I mean, I went the other way. I thought Bucks. I mean, that was clearly my worst prediction. I had Bucks in five, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps that was a little bit because sometimes when you're doing picks, you're sort of like, all right, I'm a little further away from uh, in a certain direction than some people, so you yeah. kind of make a pick to memorialize that, despite it, the fact yeah. that you may not think it's the most likely outcome. Yeah. So, uh, but that's just excuse me. I had, I had, I had like, Bucks in six. I, I thought Miami could give them a series based on how the regular season matchup went. I had no conception at all of of Miami <laughs> beating them the way they did, though. Uh, you know, I mean, winning first three even when Giannis was playing. I mean, that that just wasn't on the table for me at all. Can I still uh, trumpet my Jazz in seven pick, even though they lost? <laughs> <laughs> Correct process with a, a poor result. Although, I mean, the one thing I'll say, uh, you know, you you had uh, really cited Quinn Snyder as a reason to pick pick the Jazz, and I thought Malone kind of got the better of him by the end of that. Um, like he, he, Denver figured out Utah more than Utah figured out. Utah figured out Denver. Now, you could argue Utah figured out Denver right away, and it took four games for Denver to figure out Utah. So, so you, could argue, you could argue the flip side of that. Well, and that can transition us into our next category, which is best coaching job. And Mike Malone, I mean, certainly, I mean, where you have to give him the most credit, but certainly uh, he's been great in other ways, too, is just from an emotional standpoint. I mean, they've had games in both of these series where they looked like they were never going to get a stop ever again in their lives and multiple games in that jazz series mm-hmm. and to rehabilitate these guys like Nikola Jokic the effort level that he's gotten him to improve where like he's actually making feints towards Kawhi Leonard in the pick and roll and like yeah. causing him to get confused and turn the ball over in the last game and same thing in the Utah series where it it looked like they're just going to go around him and pick and roll every single time. And then Michael Porter basically has tread marks on his back uh, through game four of that Utah series. And now he's actually like contributing and blocking guys at the rim yeah. and, uh, to just like get the defense to improve over the course of these series and to just get way better individual effort out of his players. Uh, ultimately, I think it has been fantastic. And then, you know, he's Doc Rivers is supposedly a better coach. Than him too. Doc Rivers is now desperately searching for answers, just like playing rotation roulette at the end of game six. And Malone, pretty much every time that he's gone with a closing lineup that's like a little different than you might have expected, it's worked out. You know, he leaves uh, Jeremy Grant on the bench and goes with Tory Craig at the end of game six. That works out amazingly well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, it, it really has been quite impressive for him, particularly after I thought they disappointed in both their series last year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, they lost game three to Utah, one twenty four to eighty seven, right? Like, <laughs> to yeah, and not to the Clippers, to Utah, right? And and they're still here though, and they're they're playing in a game seven against a team that a lot of people thought would win the championship. Yeah, I mean, they've even avoided getting cooked by Kawhi. It's been incredibly impressive, and we talked already about Frank Vogel and and what an unbelievable job. He did in that Rockets series, uh, and you know it helps having really intelligent players there too. You just talk generally about some of the crazy stuff in that Boston Toronto series, which may have been the most fun coaching matchup that we're ever going to see. Yeah, uh, it's funny because you could see the whole series. One of the challenges was going to be when Brad Stevens had to put in his bench players, how could he hide their glaring weaknesses in the best way and still give his, give his guys a chance. And I think he, he kept shuffling them around, uh, partly because, you know, time and situation, but I think also he didn't want to just give them one look and kind of have them figure it out. Uh, you know, so we put Ojale out there for a little bit and then they'd figure it out. Okay. Well, the, you know, this guy can't dribble and he can't shoot outside the corners. And, so it's like okay, let's do something different now. Let's uh, you know, let's let's roll with uh, you know, he'd he'd bring in Time Lord at different times. Uh, he started bringing him in to keep him away from Abaka and the pick and pop, which I thought was smart because yep. Gasol was really reluctant to shoot the ball. Uh, he went with Wanamaker at, at different times. 
who is like more serviceable than you expected, probably on a whole in this series. And yeah, then he, he's really improved his shot a lot. Uh, Wanamaker in between the uh, the regular season and the bubble, like he's really sped up his release, much more aggressive. Like that made a huge yeah. difference. I thought. Yeah. Can we, can we just call him Maker then? <laughs> uh, no, actually, that is that is not a compliment. <laughs> that that name is, is taken. What is, yes. What has taken place uh, in Thon Maker's <laughs> career? Uh, but no, I I love this idea actually of okay, we're gonna be bad. But we're just going to be bad in a way that you can't predict, and it's going to take you a little while to adjust. To. <laughs> right, Un- unschemably <laughs> bad. Yeah, yeah. We we used to. It's funny. We used to make that joke when the um, when the Hawks uh, before they got good in the Joe Johnson era. You know, when they kind of had Josh Smith and a bunch of other twenty year old guys running around. So our joke was that they were unscoutable because whatever play was called, it didn't matter. You know, there'd just be five guys running around in random directions. So there was a little of that going on for Boston in this series. But then at the end of game seven, uh, you could see Stevens went in a different direction and decided to switch everything. And he brought in Grant Williams at the five to do that. And the thing about Grant Williams at five, even though he's not a great finisher around the rim, it also takes him away from having to shoot corner threes, which he can't make. So if it was actually – that was like a little bit hard to scheme too because you can't just say you're not worried about this guy shooting a layup or a dunk. Like that, you're worried about that. Like you have to still take that away. So uh, I, I thought that was an interesting scheme by, by uh, Stevens as well. Yeah, with Tice in foul trouble, that definitely seemed like a better option than going to Robert Williams down in the fourth quarter of, of a game seven who was just going to make too many mistakes and give Toronto an easy place to attack with that pick and pop or getting fouled or something. I, and I mean, the box and one, did you think ultimately that that worked going to the box and one? Basically the whole first half of game six, whenever Walker's in the game, the whole first half of game seven. I actually did. I, I thought. I thought it was, I thought it really threw Kemba off, even in the second half of those games. I felt like he never got into the game, either game because of that. And it was actually kind of hard for Boston to get really clean, open looks. I thought, even, even with, with the box situation, you would have thought Tatum would have gone to town on that. I mean, Jalen Brown definitely got some good looks out of it, but it, it, it never really felt like, Oh, they got to switch out of this. This is not working. Yeah. What do you think? Right at the start. Of game six, I did think that, and I credited Nurse for calling timeout and not going away from it. They clearly had practiced it in the two days beforehand and talked about it. And so they actually just decided, no, we're good. We got to just execute this better and not, you know, just completely not guard the corner. I think they got like yeah. five or six corner threes. Yeah. The, yeah. They were giving up a lot of corner threes. Definitely. Yeah. Before the first TV timeout, even in, uh, game six. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Celtics scored reasonably well the reason they did it obviously was that Kemba was the one guy who was really breaking their scheme defensively in a conventional pick and roll defense and they didn't want to go with that small switching group the rest of the way um and they went to that down the end of games five or game six and seven and to pretty darn good results uh I thought he could have got I thought he could have gotten to that group earlier in game seven yeah they didn't do it at all in the first half yeah and Um, and, and they weren't yeah. getting a whole lot from Gasol either, uh, as much as I hate to say this. And so, given that, I, I thought I thought he was going to tilt toward that earlier, and I'm still not totally clear to me why he didn't. So I think maybe the reason is, and there's something to be said for this: of don't go to your best, especially against a good coach. Don't go to your best thing until the second half, so that you don't give them a chance to be like, okay, what happened in the first half. Here's what we're doing wrong. Let's watch a couple of clips. We're going to do this differently. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about the coaching staff. We're going to put in different personnel. Right. To just not show your best thing while the other team has a chance to adjust. And to go to t- with two totally different teams, I thought was interesting. Um, I also thought that both of those coaches had some foibles unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Like Brad Stevens. Oh, they're switching at the end of Game 7. Let's isolate against OG Ananobi. We're yeah, there was there was there was a lot of that, wasn't there? <laughs> uh, only the best isolation defender in the entire NBA, and and to not recognize that Kemba Walker, if you just isolate, I mean, I talked about this before of how teams for whatever reason just don't want to isolate the point guard on the other team's point guard. Yeah, when 
Kemba is actually blowing by Fred Van Vliet every single time. They think, yeah, Fred Van Vliet is a great defender, but his actually was one weakness is he's not incredibly athletic. So you just get him out of space and Kemba was blowing by him. Uh, sometimes he would get stopped at the rim, but he was getting penetration, which was much more than they could say in any of these other matchups. Um, so that was weird. And then Nurse, I thought the challenge that, that was he a bad did challenge on yeah. that Lowry foul, the, the sixth foul. That was a bad challenge because yeah. they needed that timeout desperately, and that put them in real dire straits where they had to get a three. And also, you thought that at that point Grant Williams might hit two free throws, and you're going to be down two possessions. Then you really needed to get the two for one and they couldn't do that without being able to advance the ball mm-hmm. and he wasted that there's no chance that wasn't going to be called a foul exactly exactly yeah i mean that was that that was a ridiculous challenge yeah i couldn't tell did you see whether lowry was telling him to challenge it i didn't see him motion for the challenge i mean it certainly wasn't one of these over the top pat beverly things if he was so i mean i think lowry pretty much knew he was busted yeah pat beverly asking doc rivers to challenge I think it might have been like an out of bounds call or something where he like pressured up and like got the guy yeah. to knock it out of bounds with like two minutes gone by in the first yeah, quarter. Yeah. It was like one of the great moments. <laughs> it's like, no, Pat, actually, we got to save it for uh, your sixth yeah, foul. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're saving, 10 minutes left we're in saving the that. You can't for, challenge now. For the next time you foul somebody 70 feet from the basket with the other <laughs> team in the bonus. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take another break here and then we'll hit a, a lightning round on, on some of the other uh, highlights from these playoffs over the last week or two our presenting sponsor rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years you can go to rockauto.com enter the name and make of your vehicle they'll have some parts for it you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpet from your classic to your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks the experience at the traditional bricks and mortar auto parts store is broken they're not going to have the product in stock you're going to go there you'll ask if they have it the guy will look it up on the computer he'll say he doesn't have it and then you have to wait for it to come in and then you go back in and you get it why not just go to rockauto.com where you can also get the same prices for a do-it-yourselfer as you do as a professional mechanic so hit up rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car and truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com what's up sports fans matt peck here host of locked on bulls and i want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast huge fan is a new serious xm original podcast where stars talk sports each week join host lachina robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories game day rituals the most heated rivalries and more And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Okay, uh, worst coaching job. We'll try and keep these pretty quicker. We got a lot to get through in the next 15 minutes or so. I got to think about this one a little. I mean, everyone's dunking on Doc Rivers right now, um, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure how much of it is really – coaching like i you yeah, know I, players have just sucked like, yeah yeah i mean terrible. that that's what it comes down to like now the one the one thing i do see with the clippers is like can they decide if they're fucking switching these screens or not like how many yeah. plays they can end up with them pointing at each other and like shrugging their shoulders um so th- th- there's definitely been some of that but it's hard for me to say like he's play his five best players have played the majority of the minutes and you could say he should sub in Lou Williams earlier, that he's a little bit in regular season mode still, putting him in at the five-minute mark. I mean, certainly that three-minute stretch that Shamit played in the third quarter yesterday just killed them. Um, and yeah, another guy who is like supposed to be good and just isn't yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shamit has played poorly. Uh, Montrez Harrell has not played well. Um, he's definitely gone away from him more. But some of the reason the plus minus numbers are so extreme on Harrell, I think don't necessarily have to do with Harrell. Like there's just this, this randomness of the, of the Clippers missing wide open threes with Harrell on the court too. 
Um, cause like, it's actually their offense. That's been mostly worse with him on the court, which you wouldn't expect, yeah. but he can't do anything offensively. Now he's, he's like 20 pounds overweight. Have you noticed that? It's that he looks noticeably heavier. I've, I've had a hard time picking that out off the TV and he's always been a guy who looks like, like when you just watch him run from end to end, he looks like he's 70 years old. <laughs> and and then but then he makes these athletic plays when he can like one two step and power up. Yeah. And we you're right. We haven't we haven't seen quite that same zip from him. You're you're right about that. Um you know, I I think it's been the right move to play Jamichael Green more off the bench as yeah. the backup four and five. I wonder if he'll be the only big off the bench in game seven. I mean, that could be an adjustment. Uh but yeah. like but, like you say though, Errol, I mean they, yeah. they they haven't had regular season Pat Bev. And so the minutes where Lou Williams isn't on the floor have been a little more of a liability. And when Lou Williams is out there, I mean, obviously they can score all day, but the Nuggets are going right at him. Yeah, and and having a lot of success as they did down the end of Game Six. So yeah, it's I mean, I would have tried more of Jamichael at center or Marcus Morris at center. We haven't really seen Marcus Morris at five and Kawhi on Jokic. We we haven't really seen that. They did try to put Paul George on Jokic. And Jokic just like dribbled from near half court into the block and just made a shot over him and just ambled down the court. It was yeah. like, okay, maybe we can't do that. Yeah, they tried sw- having George on Murray and Kawhi on Jokic, and you know maybe we'll see more of that in the next game. I mean, maybe they need to just go with more spacing and try to outscore these guys. But Zubats, I mean, it's been pretty good with the plus minus. Would you ever consider going just like ultra big? And having Jamichael at the four, Zubats at the five, Morris, Kawhi, and Paul George? Is that like not enough ball handling? That's an interesting lineup because I, I do think you have enough. I do think you probably have enough ball handling, um, at the point of attack. I think what you don't have as much is if you make Kawhi and PG give up the ball, then if, if, if Morris and Green don't have an immediate shot, that's where things get sticky probably. But you have, I mean, you yeah. do have a lot of spacing and you have a lot of size at the defensive end. That's, that's an interesting yeah. look. You're right. We haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the fact that they are scrambling this much, it's really, yeah, Doc could be maybe doing better. Maybe Harold should be out of the lineup, but you know, this guy's the sixth man of the year. And I mean, yeah. Doc, uh, presaged this in his comments when he was like, Oh yeah, Harold's going to play game one against Dallas. Like he's earned this with this team and doc's kind of big on on that kind of stuff maybe he stays with guys too long that might be probably the biggest criticism of his coaching but it's not like there's some amazing alternative he's reduced his minutes a ton yeah i mean i would reduce it even more but uh, to where he's never matched up against Jokic, and you know his defense has been a major problem and, and all that stuff but you know like number one it just goes to the players and the clippers they're the team if they lose i mean we'll know what happens the next time you and i talk but they would be the team i would say don't overreact because just, I mean, with between the Lou Williams things, Shamit had COVID-19 and had a sprained ankle. Trez with his missing basically a month of yeah. organized activities. Um, my, I would say don't overreact to what happened here. Like you had a team that was looking awesome before this. They're the team to me, like the Bucks. I don't think they really had much of an excuse. You know, Bledsoe and Connaughton had, had COVID issues, but. Both those guys seem to be okay uh, by the end. I, the Clippers are the team where just these guys just aren't the same guys that they were. And I think you can blame the crazy situation that we're in for that. Well, the other thing is, I mean, we've seen before with these quote unquote super teams that the first year is sometimes a little bit of a, a slog for them. And then year two, I, I feel like is when it, it comes together more. Uh, you know, yeah. we saw that we saw that with Miami, especially with, you know, LeBron and Wade there. Like year one, they were a year, your turn, my turn team, and they lost to Dallas. And then the next year, they were unbelievable. Man, poor Montrose Harrell and his free agency, though, man. I mean, after seeing this, like our team's going to, like his market could be severely reduced. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And especially after like losing his grandmother, like, and now you're, because of that, now you're not playing well and you're not going to get paid. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. I, I, it does. I mean, it's good for the Clippers in one way. It makes it more plausible to re-sign him at a, you know, at a halfway decent number that makes your tax number not completely absurd. Uh, okay. Got about 10 minutes left here. Lightning Ron, most surprising players to you of the last couple of weeks. I got to lead with Porter because defensively, yeah. 
I mean, did you see that closeout he had yesterday on Jamichael Green in the third quarter? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was an open three that just vanished into thin air uh, because Porter's running at yeah. the guy. He, he was like, blocked where? Zubach's blocked Zubach at the, the rim. Five, yeah, like... and then almost gave the ball away right away because he was <laughs> just sitting there holding it and talking shit to the guy and not realizing that someone was about to take it from him. I, but, I remember that. That's uh, He's a little inconsistent still. Yeah, uh. yeah. But him, him being at as high a level as he's played has been really important for Denver because Millsap is kind of going the other direction. And so they, they've needed that from Porter. And that's been yeah. a difference in the, in the Utah series and in this series. Uh, so I would, I would lead with him. Uh, I mean, I would sort of say Wanamaker just like, I, di- yep. I didn't even expect him to be this viable in, in a playoff situation. And he was actually like, his minutes were survivable. Um, you know, I think I think Time Lord gave him a little lift in that in that series too. At times, he he the pick and pops were a problem. And it's going to be a problem if he plays against Kelly Olynyk too. But man, he when he he had some stretches, especially like you talk about his first up and back in the court where he I mean he was really effective. I would add OG Ananobi to that. I mean, for him, his shot looks really good. Like I think there was a concern that he just wasn't going to get guarded in the playoffs and. Well, he didn't get guarded, and he made a shot with 0.5 seconds left to basically yeah. like you know, extend uh, ultimately that series to seven games. Um, Gary Harris as well. I mean, not uh, that he wasn't a good player that I appreciate it, but number one, I think his defensive effort has been even better than yeah. it used to be. Yeah. And he's hitting shots out, and he's just you know he, he didn't play until game six of the first round, and it was just, it had been six months off before that. I mean, coming back in the middle of the playoffs like that and to give this type of effort is unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's made a a huge difference for Denver, and you can see it that like their defense has really picked up since he came back. I don't think that was the only reason. I mean, there were some some scheme things they did differently, and the some of the effort level just from from everybody picked up. But Harris has definitely played a big role in that. All right, most disappointing players. Oh, uh, m- most surprising players. I think we got it. I mean, we didn't talk about anybody from Miami. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, was, I didn't want to. I mean, a, a their whole damn team, but uh, Jay Crowder, Jay, yeah, Crowder shooting the ball and defending Giannis. Goran Dragic has found the fountain of youth, uh, really, ever since the league restarted. Uh, I think he, I think Olenek played great in the Milwaukee series, uh, and then uh, I felt like there was one other guy from Miami. That, oh, Tyler Hero, yeah. I mean, you look at his rookie season; it actually wasn't that great, but he's been fantastic in the playoffs. Yeah, and Duncan Robinson has held up well enough defensively. So, um, all right, you ready for most disappointing players? Yeah, sure. All right, I, I got a list of four players. Do they Eric all play? Plitzo. Do they all play in the same team? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's five players. I mean, Giannis <laughs> has got to be in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people are like, oh yeah, you know, he's averaging. He's got the seventh best ever box plus minus. In playoff history, like this is ridiculous that he's getting criticism. No, like the Bucks offense was not generating three pointers. He was not efficient. He's missing free throws. He's shooting below fifty percent in all uh, these games where they're going down two zero. Yeah. Uh, defensively, I didn't think he had quite the same impact either. So uh, they're not. They weren't this legendary rim protecting team in the first three games. So yeah, I think uh, and completely unable to do anything at the end of close games too. By the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eric Bledsoe, although maybe it's not even a disappointment for him anymore at this point. Uh, what about Pascal Siakam? Yeah, I mean, give Jalen Brown credit because he made his life hard, but he he. There were times you felt like he couldn't get out of his own way, like when he when he blew that lefty layup in Game Six, when you know when yeah. the one time Boston let him go right down Main Street. It's like, oh goodness. Um, and I, I think it kind of showed where he still is at his limitations as an, an on-ball creator that he's more second banana than a lead guy. Um, and you could see that with Toronto, what Toronto was doing as the series went on, they played through their guards more and more. Uh, I, I was a little surprised they weren't able to do more to get him going on the move, uh, because I think that's where he's best. You, you know, in half court situations, but he's so effective yeah. in transition. And once Boston shut that down, they kind of took away his, uh, uh, you know, his, his lifeblood a little bit. You know what they need to run for him is that set and Gasol would be the perfect guy to run this. Give him the ball at the elbow, 
Cleveland ran this under Ty Lue. Now the Lakers run it for Anthony Davis of Van Vliet or Lowry screening Siakam out of the corner into the post with the ball at the elbow. That's yeah. set to get him on the move into a post up against a small guard. I think that's it could be a really good set for him. The other thing he has to learn how to do in improving his shot a little bit would help as well. You know, he, he had a game where he shot 12 threes and then by game seven, he was only shooting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got to be able to go right shoulder in the post or attack with his left hand. I mean, there's, they were keeping him, at least the good defenders of Grant Williams couldn't do it, but they were keeping him off of that right hand or slash left shoulder. And then, you know, there was a time in game seven where he tried to attack with his left hand and he just lost it on the baseline out of bounds. Yeah. So, yeah, that's he's got to yeah. get better going yeah. each direction. Because like yeah. he does, like a lot of these spins and dipsy doos and stuff, but they all end in the same place, right? <laughs> so if you, if if you if you know that's what he's trying to get to, then then it's easier to push him back. Uh, I mean Westbrook has obviously got to be in there. We yeah. talked about his his issues and and Daniel House too. We don't need to get into that. I mean, maybe I'll ask you about that next week. Of just like as an executive, what the hell you do in a situation like that but uh yeah that's a little disappointing i i would say if, if yeah we're making that totally category. totally um, um we we didn't really talk about, about him with the coaches but i mean budenholzer's got to make this list yes yep i mean we talked about him a lot a lot we talked about week. it so much last week that i want to dig up the dead horse to beat it again but just we haven't forgotten about you mike uh okay five minutes left here game of the playoffs i mean clearly it's got to be game six of toronto boston yes do you think that is one of the best games of the last few years? Were you like that high on it? You know, so here's the funny thing. The it's hard for me, it's been hard for me to get into a playoff game the same way when I was working on a team. First of all, yeah, once I you're so, huh? once you're eliminated, you sort of stop giving a shit about what the other teams are doing in the playoffs. Yeah, um, no, you got to you got to figure out who uh you're going to have uh as like the ninth guy on your summer league team. Yeah, exactly. That's way more important. And uh so you watch, but maybe not with the same intensity, uh, or, you know, that same kind of grippingness. I mean, obviously I would say the best game I've seen is game seven of Golden State Cleveland. Uh, yeah. You know, when I look back over the last few years, uh, and game six of Miami San Antonio, uh, the Ray Allen sure. shot. Uh, but I mean, this was, this was a great game. I'm like, I'm not sure that Boston and Toronto are like, Super elite elite teams, but yeah, they're definitely like two really good, really well coached teams with not a lot of weaknesses, uh, and just super high, high level competitiveness and strategy, uh, which was really enjoyable. So I, I mean, I was thoroughly entertained, like on, on that level. Uh, I, you know, does, does it quite match up with like when you're walking out like that's the greatest game I've ever seen? No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Okay. See. Golden State game six in 2016 would be up there. But I mean, I think it's yeah. definitely one of the ones. Now, we did have a quadruple overtime game in the playoffs just last year. But, uh, you know, the Denver and Portland don't have nearly as much combined population as Boston and Toronto. So, it's <laughs> so not, it doesn't matter. It can't be as good of a game. <laughs> uh, MVP of the playoffs right now. MVP of the playoffs. Let's see. You could go Butler, you could go Tatum, you could still go Kawhi, honestly. Um Yeah, he's he's fallen off a little bit. I, I don't know if I can if I can do him anymore. I I, I to me it's LeBron James. I, it, and where I was going with this was you probably had to circle back to LeBron or A D and between the two of yep. them you'd probably say LeBron. Yeah, particularly at the defensive level that he's playing at, um and some of those those first halves that he had yeah. against Houston. I mean Jokic has gotta be right up there also. Um, you know, particularly in this series, he's really, his shooting has just been a massive leap forward. And then, you know, Tatum, even still Jamal Murray has got to be in, if we're talking about like a first team yeah. all playoffs, but, yeah. um, all right, well, this is fun. And, uh, yeah. well, what I you write about for the athletic this week? Well, I, uh, I wrote my Eastern conference, uh, playoff preview, which should be up by the time, uh, listeners get this. So I break down Miami versus Boston and make my prediction and then, uh, got something coming in a little bit, uh, again, it might be up by the time listeners, uh, hear this, uh, talking about what's going wrong with the Clippers offense in this Denver series. Yeah. I'd be interested to, to read that as well. And you can subscribe to my podcast dunked on four days a week. Now we are subscription only. It's called dunked on prime. There's a link to that in the show notes. If you haven't 
signed up yet. You get gamers on every playoff game within about an hour or two of when it's over. So it's there for you on, on the East Coast when you wake up if you miss the late game. We'll talk to you all next week. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.